Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Audible Farm Podcast. It is episode number 43, and it's brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is my new favorite coffee. It's located right here in Iowa. Uh, Ankeny, as a matter of fact, originally from Davenport, hence the name Couchtown. Um, Believe it or not, I went like a week or two before I figured it out. I was talking with Andrew, the roaster at Couchtown Coffee, and he was telling me, yeah, it's kind of a funny name. And I I was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's real funny. And then, then it kind of dawned on me about a week later. So <laughs> Couchtown Coffee, it's a, it's a fun play on words for a coffee company that's originally from Davenport, Iowa, uh, now out of Ankeny, uh, one of my favorite coffee companies of all time, of any of the ones I've ever found. It's the freshest coffee I've had. It is roasted exactly how I want it, uh, pretty much because Andrew, the master roaster at Couchtown Coffee, will roast it exactly how you want it. And that's one of my favorite things about them. Another one of my favorite things about them is last week we teamed up and gave everyone a promo code. If you wanted to try Couchtown Coffee, you could have saved 20%, and it went over like gangbusters. Uh, It went over so well, as a matter of fact, that we decided we're going to do another one this week. So I'll tell you what, if you go to www.couchtowncoffee.com, and you find some coffee you like, and you want it uh, roasted and sent to your house, just hit up Andrew. Uh, There's all the information at www.couchtowncoffee, how to place an order. And make sure you give them the promo code ukulele. This week, the promo code's ukulele. Why is the promo code ukulele this week? Because my guest plays the ukulele. This week, my guest is Sarah Baldus. Uh, She comes from a very musical family. As a matter of fact, her mom was uh, the first lady that ever sat down and taught me anything about music. She was the fifth and sixth grade music instructor at the school that I went to. And bless her soul for dealing with a young me. Uh, (laughs) uh, Bless her. That's all I got to say. It was was not an easy going when I first started playing music. I didn't get it very well. Uh, I just didn't enjoy playing music as much as I do now. And now I love it and I've got her, uh, Sarah's mom, to thank for it. And uh, this week I sit down with Sarah and we talk about all of her stuff as far as like coming from a musical family. Uh, Sarah actually taught music when she graduated from college. So we talk a little bit about that. Now she teaches uh, music at a private uh, institution, uh, gives private lessons for piano. She played French horn. She also plays a ukulele. Uh, she one day was just like, I'm going to buy a ukulele and try to play it and just figured out how to play it. Now she's good at the ukulele. So that's kind of what got me started on playing the ukulele. And uh, that's why the code word this week is ukulele. So I hope you guys enjoy this, this week's episode. It's episode number 43 with Sarah Baldus. It's the Audible Farm Podcast with your host, Peter Stockdale. All right, I'm sitting down today with Sarah Baldus. Sarah, you recently have started doing lessons at a place in Iowa City here. Um, before that, you were a teacher at a school for music. Uh, you were a music teacher at a public school, I guess would be the correct way to say that. Yeah, I was a band teacher. All right. Um, I mean, let's uh, go through this. Like, what What is the thing that got you to... Because I know, but other people that are listening don't. But what was the thing that got you to be a band teacher? Uh, Well, I just really had a passion for music. I I still do, of course. Um, And I just had a knack for the teaching aspect of it. I was really, really good at motivating kids and things like that. But, um, yeah, I did, like, the all-state thing in band in high school. And then... What What instrument did you play in high school? I played the French horn. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, who else plays the French horn in your family? Well, my mother. Um, she's <laughs> <laughs> she's kind of famous around Iowa uh, with her quintets and her, her other bands that she plays in. But mm-hmm. I try to take after her. You know, she was a good mentor growing up. <clears throat> yeah, your mom was actually, uh, the f- believe it or not, the first person that ever taught me any music, anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a fifth and... <laughs> She was a fifth and sixth grade band instructor in mm-hmm. uh, the school that we had went to in Humboldt, yep. and she taught there for quite a while, and yeah. uh, I think she just recently retired, she right? She just retired this May, yeah. That's cool. After like 22 years there wow. in Humboldt. Wow. I think she did like 33 total. She was in it. Yeah, because she taught at a couple other places before <laughs> before this. Yeah, she taught um, in Stanhope and in Jewel, other tiny towns in Iowa. 
So pretty much your whole life you've had a mother that was teaching music to... Yeah. How old were the kids that she was teaching at the other schools? Same, um, a- same age or... She did pretty much everything. She did like a 5 through 12 for her first couple of jobs and then stuck oh, wow. with 5th and 6th grade. God, yeah. Can you imagine doing 5 through 12? I did that for a year. It was where hard. At, where at? Uh, in Bode, Twin River Valley. Yep. Yeah, by uh, Humboldt there. Yeah, you were the music was, teacher up there. That was so hard. Was that your first job? It was my first uh, band director job after graduating. Mm-hmm. So where'd you go to school in order to get your qualifications to uh, be? To Iowa State University. Nice. Four and a half years. Most people make it out in about that. So there's just so much stuff that they have to cram in. It's yeah. Like double majoring. Yeah. I mean, you got to be able to be proficient at almost every instrument and then on top of that be a teacher. So. Yeah, exactly. So you got to go get both of those. Mm-hmm. It's not just one simple thing. You know, it's pretty crazy. I was like, uh, growing up, I never thought I like would ever do almost anything with music. And now as, I guess you could call it as an adult, um, Mm -hmm. I'm as adult as I could get, I guess. Uh, (laughs) yeah. So like as an adult now, I do really enjoy music and I've started doing uh, guitar lessons and stuff. Mm -hmm. But when you and I first started hanging out as an, as adults, I was kind of just blown away by the fact that you had like 20 instruments at your house yeah <laughs> and, like, i got a million I'm, and, I mean. and knew how to play pretty much most of them with a uh, pretty darn good proficiency so yeah that was the most fun part of uh, going to college was just learning all those instruments and you know finding one at a used store and buying it and then just having it your own and yeah just practicing it whenever you feel like it uh, so but, i'm assuming you spent most of your time playing uh french horn growing up did you play like piano or anything else yeah well so my first instrument is probably piano because you know band director mom wants you to be in into that kind of thing uh-huh. um so i started that when i was pretty young five or six years old and then got into the french horn in middle school but my family always had instruments laying around so i could always play whatever everybody in my family plays yeah, yeah like, <laughs> like every single one <laughs> yeah literally every person in your family yeah. is uh a brass player or a piano player yeah uh musically yeah. inclined yeah. and very well so mm-hmm. i mean um our family's very divided, which is kind of interesting. It's like half of us are engineers and musicians, and the other half are just musicians. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of crazy how that works out, though. Like, um, I mean, it's not like they don't want to do music forever. Oh, no, but they do. But at the yeah. same time, um, solely doing music is, is tough. It is, yeah. It's hard um, to find a job, a yeah. good job. Oh, I could bet. Um, so you taught in Bode for a while after that. Mm-hmm. Where did you end up going? I uh, went to Marshalltown after that. Spent five years there. Was that when you did uh, like younger kids instead of that was the a, whole entire school? That was seventh and eighth grade. And then I helped out with uh, the fifth and sixth and some of the high school. But mostly middle school. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my program. I got to like pick out all the band music and teach all the people and... It was great. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Did, did you ever do any like vocal stuff, or is that a completely mm. different genre of, of stuff? I didn't do vocal stuff. No, it's it's different. Yeah, like yeah. nobody ever once has accused me of being a really good singer. So mm-hmm. um, I've always been pretty jealous of anyone that can sing even a little bit. <laughs> I like singing more now than I used to. I think that's because of my current job and what I do. But when I was in elementary school, um, one of our music teachers, the choir director kept telling my mom that I have a meaty voice. Me- <laughs> a meaty, meaty voice. voice. It's got some kind of depth to it or something. I don't know what that's... <laughs> meaty is the way she described it. Meaty. I don't know. Yeah. Um, when I was in uh, seventh and eighth grade, I was in the chorus, uh-huh. and there was, like, no guys. And the only re- that was pretty much the only reason I sang was because they needed uh, guys, just yeah. any guy mm-hmm. to sing anything. Because uh, even if you weren't hitting the right notes, it was good enough because you had some low sound in yeah. there pretty much. But there were so few of us and nobody sang loud that I was uh, obviously the loudest person singing and I was probably also the least qualified to be singing that loud. <laughs> so they uh, pretty much just asked me to quit Aww. coming in and singing. So oh, that's unfortunate. that was when I was like, all right, I'm not cut out for this. <laughs> and uh, Just kill your passion for music. Oh, uh, yeah, singing at least, yeah. I guess. Because, I mean, it's not like, not like I can't sing as an adult because you can... I don't know. I've realized that you can carry a tune as long as you kind of practice at it and stuff like that. But uh, I'm no like, uh, whatever. You know, I can't mm-hmm. do any of that Christina Aguilera nonsense <laughs> where it's like, wow, wow, yeah. wow, wow. You know, I can't do any of that stuff. Um, no. 
that takes a lot of practice. Yeah, to and even accurately hit those pitches. Yeah, but even just mm-hmm. going around in the area, uh, yeah. watching live bands and plays stuff like that, cover bands, whatever. It's just like, man, like I'd say about eighty percent of these people can sing well better than I can. Mm-hmm. Not even just a little bit. Like, not it's not even like a comparison. So. Yeah. Um, but you know, I do a lot of like blues singing and stuff mm-hmm. and none of those guys were ever <laughs> They specific. got that raspy voice. Yeah. And all the, that's about all they the got. Gravely. Yeah. But, uh, it's not like they were bad singers either. No. I was watching some, uh, BB King stuff the other mm. day and, uh, you know, believe it or not, he's, he's pretty darn good at singing. Recently, one of the things I got into was going to YouTube, finding somebody and, uh, finding the isolated vo- vocal tracks for him mm. and then trying to figure out, um, whether or not I thought they were a good singer and stuff like that. And one of the first things I did was like uh, Van Halen. Everyone's like, Sammy Hagar is such a better singer than David Lee Roth and, and yada, yada, yada. So I started doing isolated vo- vocal tracks of both of them. And you know, David Lee Roth's not that bad. Like everyone always kind of throws some shade his way, but it's mm-hmm. it's pretty good stuff. I definitely enjoy it. Um, it's yeah. not, I don't know if I could sing that good. But. No. But either way. I don't know. A lot of the music we have now is like auto-tuned and stuff, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, I've been uh, known to use an auto-tuner to uh, supplement for my lack mm-hmm. of singing on occasion. And sometimes it works out really well and sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I'm actually like, it's weird to say this, I'm more comfortable without one because mm-hmm. the auto-tune snaps everything from one note to the next. And mm-hmm. it kind of, you can kind of hear that it's, you can blend that a little yeah. differently, but I don't know. That's just, singing was never my strong suit. Mm-hmm. So you've got uh, m- like a multitude of instruments. Yeah. And I remember one time you were like, I want to learn how to play a mandolin. Mm-hmm. So we like walked around until we found a, a pawn shop that had a mandolin and you yeah. picked it up and started playing that. But I, I mean, even then it was that's just like, hard. yeah, you were like, I want to learn how to play ukulele too. Yeah. So you got a ukulele. Heck yeah. And that's actually kind of, you stuck with the ukulele. I like the ukulele. It feels better than the mandolin. The mandolin had just like too high of an action and it really hurt my fingers a lot. Yeah, some of that could be from the fact that we didn't really go get a high dollar well, one. But, yeah, probably. But still, like. But yeah, the ukulele I really like a lot. I've got a couple of those. Yeah. Um, I, I play it for my, like, my day job. What's your current day job right now? Um, I'm a preschool music teacher. Nice. So I um, go to the different. Uh, aged classrooms and sing and dance around and play fun instruments with the little kids little tambourines and jingle bells with little four and five year olds heck yeah it's pretty adorable that's awesome Mm -hmm. so uh what got you kind of keyed towards doing a job like that well i don't know i I got out of the band director thing um after a few years i gave it a good honest hard try Mm -hmm. but there's just a lot of stuff that goes in with public school teaching that's makes it very difficult oh yeah uh, to stick with um i'm sure it's very like not just uh well you're stuck in kind of a rock and hard place because not only are you teaching people but you've got to like teach uh something that's not just like two plus two equals four it's not something that's just an easy thing no i'm not saying math is easy required for your life you know to fit through society yeah um and i mean yeah so like chemistry class everyone's got to take a chemistry class or whatever Mm -hmm. but like music class you could be stuck with people where they're like parents want the kids to play right which was probably the situation when i was going through Mm -hmm. school i'm bless your mom's soul for (laughs) for teaching young kids how to play music and yours too honestly because it's just i didn't really want to do anything with it when i was growing up and i don't don't know how it worked out like this but now i'm i kind of like playing music and Mm -hmm. and i even teach lessons here and there on the side but yeah i don't know so um i got out of that and then i tried a different job i wanted to um just have like a home music studio for a while and i found that i didn't have enough clients to to make it a full-time thing so i got into call center work which was awful the worst job so worst soul-sucking job job you could ever have yeah um, what kind of lessons did you teach while you were while it was you were mostly to do brass your... instruments here mm-hmm. like trumpet i mean everybody can play the trumpet it's yeah. so easy <laughs> and guess what instrument i've been growing up <laughs> trumpet trumpet <laughs> yeah so <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know got out of that call center work pretty fast and uh then found this job that's cool mm-hmm. um what a, I know you do have another job where you teach yeah. teach lessons still, not necessarily yeah. out of your house. No, um, this is a place called Music for Life. Uh-huh. Um, it's based in North Liberty, and uh, it's mostly piano lessons right now. But I have like a 
um, French horn student and uh, ukulele as well. Oh, cool. You got a I ukulele have, student there? I do, yes. That's nice. I've got about 30 students now. Total? <laughs> Total. Jeez. Yeah, which is insane. That's a lot. I was going to max out at 20, and then I kept getting more. <laughs> that's that's wild. So I'm having the opposite problem I had before. I mean, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. have to say when I was doing guitar lessons in Humboldt, I still do. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't do as many as I used to, but I think five or six was the most that I had yeah. at one point in time. And that's, that's not like it was too many, but it was quite a few. It, it was a decent amount. It's a lot. It um, is a lot of people. But it's mostly beginner piano, so it's like super simple songs. You don't have to do a lot of prep work for it. And mm-hmm. Just show up, listen to the kid play, correct their mistakes, and lead them on to the next page. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you do a lot of, like, well, I guess if you're doing piano, you probably don't play along with them while they're playing as much. Well, I, <laughs> I sing a lot, which is weirdly weird, you know. I just, like, sing the pitches with them because I don't want them to look at my fingers. Mm-hmm. So I sing the words and sing the notes and everything with them. And That makes sense. A lot of the time they sing with me. Um, and if it's really tough for them, I just play along with them. Yeah. It's really easy piano, so. Yeah, I have found that if you only play along with people they kind of lean on your correct mm-hmm. sound um yeah. and they don't try as hard i guess uh necessarily or they don't even look up at the page <laughs> they'll just be side glancing towards yes. your fingers yes and yes going from there <clears throat> and uh i don't know that's one of the things i found was most difficult about teaching guitar lessons was trying mm-hmm. to find um i guess the correct way to go about giving them all of the correct tools to um, improve as much as possible in a lesson and you know, as the more lessons I've done, I've found I've found when it is time to stop playing along with them and let them do it themselves, mm-hmm. so that way they can hear exactly yeah. their chords or notes that they're playing and how they how they sound without somebody else next to them playing the same right. thing. And uh, a resource that I uh, like to mention to a lot of my students is uh, record yourself <laughs> and yeah. listen to it. You know, people just don't they hear whatever whatever's coming out of their amp or whatever. Um, but they don't listen back and really think critically about what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was one of the things when I first started playing with three finger Betty, Clint, mm-hmm. the drummer would record like everything. And then he'd just upload it and send it to everybody and be like, this was our show from the last week or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you would have to sit and listen to yourself play. And, uh, it's not like you would have to, I mean, you don't have to listen to it mm-hmm. if you don't want to, but he would send it to everybody, I guess, as a learning tool. Mm-hmm. And it works out quite a bit. You know, if you listen to yourself play, you kind of, I don't want to say get self-conscious, but you start to figure out where you struggle. Where your little struggle quirks and, are, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, the benefit of that, though, is you can start to figure out what you're really good at, though, too. Mm-hmm. So you can, I'm not saying you should, but you can use it to, like, lean on what you're good at instead of uh, just always trying to, I don't know, try to do this flashy stuff that you can't always fill in with. Mm-hmm. That was, like, kind of with Three Finger Betty where... Um, the song structure is already there and John's kind of just to me like go to town you can like match my power chords or play leads or whatever mm-hmm. you want to do so I do a little bit of both but like I'm not always playing the same thing the same way twice so I get to hear what it sounds like in recording when it's played back because it sounds different than it does on a stage right you know and I'm sure that's the same way you were talking about like if you're playing at your house and you hear it coming out of your guitar while you're playing and it might sound different than if you were to record it and then listen back mm-hmm. to it you know yeah so, yeah, I mean, that would probably be a, a really good mm-hmm. recommendation. That's kind of like the same resource as YouTube, you know, just yeah. listening to other recordings, variations on the same thing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, mm-hmm. that was one of the big things about going to jam nights was uh, not everybody plays every song the same way. And especially with, like, blues songs, it's like, mm-hmm. I want to play Going Down. Well, it's been recorded, like, 22 different times. Which version do you want to play? How do you want to mm-hmm. play it? And most of the time, you kind of just let it. leave it leave it open and just let the people do whatever they're doing you just give them a little bit of a a tempo and here's the Mm -hmm. the main riff i'm i'm going to use and just play along with it and go for it you know yeah that's i don't know that's definitely one of the things when i first started as an adult getting more into music i was like oh there's a lot more of this that's open to interpretation than i had originally thought there was because uh growing up it was i talked about this a little bit in the gene walker podcast how Growing up, I wanted to know exactly what notes I was going to play and when I was going to play them, and I didn't want to have any variation. I think some of that comes from like growing up and playing trumpet in a big band where it's yeah. like, these are the notes, and this is all you can play, and this is when you have to play it. But at the same time, a giant arrangement like that, it doesn't really sound good with improv- <laughs> improvisation. So. Oh, that's true. 
I don't know, that jazz band side of the music world kind of scares me. Like, as a French horn player, it's not something that I'm into. Uh, just kind of. I mean, I like, I love listening to it, but I cannot play jazz on the French horn at all. Um, yeah. I'd have to switch instruments. I'd have to do, like, I don't know, trumpet or something. Trumpet, probably. And then my range is not so good. And improv on trumpet, I'm not not super comfortable with. Yeah, I can... I was, like, one of the things... Uh, when I got to like seventh and eighth grade, the teacher that we had for trumpet was trying to teach us how to do a little bit of improv in case we wanted to do it in the jazz band mm-hmm. that we had there. And uh, unless it was in like, I can do it in like one specific key, you know, the mm-hmm. key the trumpet's in. Everybody does the, uh, I guess it'd be the C scale for the trumpet. Mm-hmm. And that would be the, the e- instruments. Yeah. yeah, that'd be the easiest one to, to run through. But other than that, I was kind of lost and I could figure it out. But even then I'd have to sit down and like, in my brain, kind of calculate out what notes would it would be, and then I I know the fingering. So then, but even then, it comes down to being, you know, doing it enough to get it to be commonplace right, and confident. stuff like that. Yep. So it's not always as easy as you think. No. But um, it's not just wiggling your fingers no, like some people think. No, no. Oh man, that's my favorite part about watching anybody play trumpet, like in a movie or in the background on a on a TV show or something. Like, like that is nonsense, and no. I know that. There's um, no pattern to their fingerings or anything. Well, that's the funniest thing too, because it's like without playing a trumpet, you wouldn't know, because it all looks exactly right. the same. Or I I don't know. I've seen some TV shows where they're playing like the clarinet or the saxophone. They don't even have a reed in it. It's just like, come on, that's the easiest thing. <laughs> that's you that's put the thing. On. That's the one thing you have to have in there in order to make yeah. the noise, but. I don't know. I guess if you don't know and you don't yeah, know, and that's if, true. you probably don't care if you don't know. So, <laughs> uh, what is probably the one thing about music that you think is like your favorite thing ever? Um, cause there's gotta be something that's driven you to do it for so long in your oh, ni- life. Not just the fact that your family around you also does it, you know? Well, my favorite thing for a long time, especially in college was just like, being in the middle of the orchestra while you're playing something and just feeling the music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like almost synesthesia, but not. You Mm -hmm. know, I wasn't seeing colors or anything. It was just our, it felt like our heartbeats were synchronizing and we were just all in this, you know, situation for the same common goal. It was really amazing. Yeah. Something a lot of people don't get to experience. Yeah, that sense of camaraderie that you have with your uh, other musicians, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Oh, sorry. And then depending on the the songs you're playing, you know, there might be like, it might be like a really angry song and there's a lot of, um, I don't know, feeling behind the the notes. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Well, I was thinking about that when you're talking about feeling Mm -hmm. the music, like... Uh, if it's kind of like sinister and the mm-hmm. and the deeper brass starts hitting some like bomb 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 and you're like oh geez I can feel yeah, that like you can, yeah you can feel it yeah mm-hmm. as an adult though like playing in bands and stuff like that um, mm-hmm. like the biggest band I guess I can play and I played at a jam night and there was like I think about seven of us on stage at one mm-hmm. point in time to play like a nine minute version of the <laughs> Midnight Rider by the Almond <laughs> Brothers and it was it was sweet um, mm-hmm. we had Gosh, who all was up there? I don't want to snub anyone, but mm-hmm. it was a, it was at one of the jam nights that they had in Bode that Scott Dahl had hosted. But we went up there and played that, and it just kind of made me realize I don't think I'm ever going to sit in a room with like 60 mm-hmm. people and play music the ever sudden, again. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, um, and that's not like go to a bar and play in front of 60 people. I mean, like everybody sits down with sheet music and has mm-hmm. uh there's like 30 different instruments and we're all going to play something that makes makes a song you know like yeah. uh like an orchestra or even just like a high school or junior high mm-hmm. type band thing and that kind of makes me sad it's yeah. not like it's uh i really miss it there's not enough like just regular community bands and orchestras around here yeah i would definitely mm-hmm. agree um i mean you're in the iowa city area yeah. so i'm sure you have more than uh we do up in the humboldt slash four dodges area that's true but it's not like you can get a membership to that kind of thing you know these these horn players they stay into the band until they're dead uh, <laughs> you yeah know? it's just, a lifelong gig justifiably mm-hmm. so though like yeah, you were saying it's, it's if you're good at music it's not always easy to find a job or a gig mm-hmm. and then once you get one you're not going to just back no. out of it because you don't know if another one's going to come along, especially somewhere up in like the Fort Dodge area mm-hmm. where it's like, there's no Humboldt area orchestra symphony. There's no. no Algona. I mean, there might, there are like community choruses and things like that yeah. in Humboldt, but 
the like I said, a lot of the positions are filled and right. filled by very like ludicrously talented mm-hmm. adult musicians, and some of them are even you know younger than me by ten That's years right. at least. I started in the uh, the Fort Dodge area symphony when I was in eighth grade, oh, Jesus. and I played that for probably seventeen years. Wow. Uh, same thing with the Carl King band in Fort Dodge. Yeah, yeah, same, definitely. Same year, yeah. That's crazy. So. <laughs> A lot of these people that you're interviewing, I like know their kids <laughs> or they know their parents or something yep. from these bands. Oh, that's crazy. That's pretty funny how yeah. that all works out. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I've been pretty interested in delving into that market of musicians because mm-hmm. there's a lot of those people that, uh, whether or not anybody wants to believe it, they're in like the Iowa Music Association's Rock and Roll yeah. Hall of Fame and My stuff mom's like that. In there. Yeah, she yeah. played with was it Jive for Five? Jive for Five, yeah. Yeah, and they would play like um, like cover type songs of popular songs. Yeah, they do a lot of arrangements. Uh, Dan Cassidy does most of their arrangements. He's super good <laughs> at arranging. Yeah, here comes the name Dan Cassidy, <laughs> Dan Cassidy. pops up once oh, yeah. once more on the podcast. Gosh. Oh he's man, just all around talented. And you know that's what I hear is he's just uh, <laughs> he can just like look at something and tell you how it sounds or yeah. listen to something and then rewrite it like. Mm-hmm. Definitely um, a master after, musician. After listening to it one time, he's just like, this is what it would sound like on a trumpet. Yep. And then if you wanted to add another one, we could like split it up. Like, I just, I hear that's what he's like. Yeah, that's and, uh, exactly that's it. It's pretty mind blowing. It's not that that would be undoable for someone like you or me. Um, mm. You would probably be a little bit better there than I would. But even then, like, it would take me like days and days and days and days of constant work to Hundreds get something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, man. So it's pretty mind blowing that there's. Yeah. There's, I don't know, just people like that out there that aren't rock and roll music stars, you know, and stuff like that. Even though he kind of is a rock he and roll is. star. Yeah, and his son has some Hollywood connections, too. Oh, I really? understand, right? Yeah, he's like a big actor. Cool. So, That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. That's pretty sweet stuff. Yeah. Uh, you do ukulele stuff. Ukulele stuff, yeah. Uh, lessons, lessons. As well as you play it at your current day job. Current day job, uh, yep, um, for the the frog hollow so you play music for kiddos eh? pretty much do music all day long and all night long <laughs> <laughs> what kind of stuff do you sing for the kiddos or oh play it's for? like folk songs traditional songs variations on like twinkle <laughs> also like twinkle twinkle little yeah. star stuff yeah and then you just rewrite the lyrics to fit whatever you're doing pretty much yeah whatever like, the theme of the week is like tie your tie your little shoes or something <laughs> i don't know like uh these kids are so young you could like sing a song about their name and have them stand up and do something and they'll be happy oh that's awesome <laughs> so you can just like do this action all right dance around have fun shake your booty well kudos <laughs> to you for being able to do stuff like that's that because so much fun oh i bet it is i mean <clears throat> yeah in my small-minded i mean maybe it's just me being a male or just me being a little bit less confident about music than you are but mm-hmm. i would just think about like I could probably rewrite some lyrics to some simple songs and sing them for kids. They probably would love them, but at the same time, like the whole time I'm writing it down, I'd just be like, this is dumb, and I don't ever put myself in the kids' shoes where the kid's going to be like, this is the coolest thing ever because someone said my name in a song, you know? Well, it just has to be like two lines, and you repeat it four times, and they're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yep. What I do when we have, I've got like a big bag of instruments that I get to haul around to each classroom, like some drums and shakers and weiros. And oh, weiros. It's like weiros. The, the fish that you put the stick across or whatever. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I got some pretty basic ones that are just like two sticks and one is riveted and the mm-hmm. other's not. Mm-hmm. But you do the egg shaker thing, I'm sure, and have them shake, egg shakers. The, shake the egg yeah. shaker to the beat and things I, like that. I bring in all my different instruments, one a different instrument a week, and play it for them and let them touch it and experience like the trumpet or the clarinet or whatever. Mm-hmm. What's the craziest instrument that like kids were just like, what is uh, this? They're obsessed with the trombone. <laughs> <laughs> like that slide thing. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, it makes a meow. Yeah. Yeah. The weirdest know, noise and they just that. love it. Oh gosh, that's probably I, what I'm bringing next week. That's awesome. I will have to say that, like playing the, like they give you the opportunity to play an instrument, uh, like in fifth and sixth grade, mm-hmm. when you join the band, you got to try them all out. I just remember the trombone being like, "How do you know where the notes are at?" You it's know? all about your face and like math. You have to find the partials. The yep. There's yeah. It's yeah. Whatever that's called. 
Yeah, you just go a certain. They have numbers, correct? Where you slide it down X amount far, like position yeah, one, position two. But it's or not whatever. like marked. It's all one big long slide. Yeah, there's no mark. Yeah, it's you not have like guess. <laughs> it's not like you slide it and then it hits a notch and you keep no. going or whatever. No, you have to use your ear and make sure you're in tune. Yeah, that was one of the things that blew me away about like when I first saw a TV cop when they had um, mm, Steve, trombone, Steve yeah. Nash playing the trombone for him. I was like, what is going on here? Like <laughs> that was a good band. I love that band. Yeah, it was tons of fun to see. Like. uh like a ska band with a trombone and stuff and it's not like that's totally uncommon because i saw um i've seen ska bands with instruments before um there's a band from i believe they're from madison it was called courtesy of tim we played a show with them and they had instruments too i think there was a i think there was a trombone i know there was a trumpet um there may or may not have been a, a saxophone but i'm i'm not 100 mm-hmm. percent sure i can't remember it was it was a while back yeah. but you know like seeing instruments like that incorporated with what uh people most of the people like on this podcast play guitars and drums mm-hmm. and things so seeing the That's two incorporated cool. one another it's really awesome there was some band uh that was playing downtown that had like four tubas in it oh. and they were just you know jamming out as some rock band or punk band or something they just had tubas sousaphones up there <laughs> yeah why not i guess uh, yeah i don't know I mean, there's no rules when it says, like, you have to have these instruments or have to have those instruments in your band. like Right, and if you can replace a guitar with some brassy-sounding thing, it yeah. adds another dimension. Or even just throw something else in there. I mean, hell, like, Rolling Stones had a saxophone player, you know, or, like, whatever. Just mm-hmm. just pitch another one of those. I mean, I, the era of the bigger bands has gone away due to the fact that, oh. you know, you can't really make the money you used to be able to, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. But it still is fun to see that stuff. And mm-hmm. anybody out there making that... Um, music outside of the scope of normal music is definitely, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's first off, it's eye catching and ear catching. And, yeah. and secondly, if you can pull it off with any sort of, uh, what would be the correct word for this? I don't know. Um, if Competency. it's, if it, yeah, I, I guess <laughs> like if, if it's even remotely good, it's going to be mind blowing mm-hmm. to the average musician. Cause I don't know. It just takes a lot of extra work to put something that's not mm-hmm. a guitar or a bass in a band. And Most people who learn those instruments put it down after like ninth grade. <laughs> so uh, yeah. they're rare, it seems. Exactly. Well, that's mm-hmm. the thing is I, I do still have a trumpet. and I, mm-hmm. I have gotten it out on rare occasions and played it. It's just like you get the thing out and it's like, let's play a C scale. <laughs> and then he was like, well, let's play a chromatic scale. And it's like, okay, got him. Na- nail- nailed him. <laughs> like, okay. So then you just put it down. And it's like, I'll pick this back up in a year and a half and mm-hmm. see if I can still play a scale, you know. Yeah. But. I, it's you're right it's mm-hmm. and the fact that not all these instruments are always in the same key to transpose to to a guitar etc cetera, etc cetera, mm-hmm. makes it that much more difficult and yeah. i mean it's it just is what it is i i've always wanted to do something like that or find a way to expand uh any of the bands that i'm in to do something like that but you know yeah. we've like we've went over in the last five minutes it's pretty tough and uh yeah. kudos to any of those guys that are out there doing it and mixing up instruments together what uh what's another instrument the kids you said trombone trombone um i like bringing my french horn in that's just fun for me (laughs) you do these like horn rip things which is just like start on a low note and then go as fast and high as you can Mm -hmm. all in like a split second like (laughs) boy that kind of thing i do a bunch of those they love that kind of stuff yeah and plus it's it's all wrapped up and it looks beautiful oh yeah yeah (laughs) i mean the french horn was always one of those fun instruments it looked Mm -hmm. neat just kind of sitting there by itself not every instrument looks looks attractive just Mm -hmm. sitting there yeah that's a great instrument i've had this one uh since i was really young like first or second year after i started it's been with me for almost 20 years (laughs) uh you know guitarists which Mm -hmm. you know i know guitarists they get a new guitar like every six months you know it's um let's see i played with the sioux city orchestra and made a cd with this horn oh cool uh, 2011 i think it was that's awesome that was pretty cool sweet. a rock orchestra in sioux city that's no longer together unfortunately oh bummer i know so what kind of stuff would they do oh pop songs uh rock and roll so they just yeah. re- rearrange songs yeah for, that's for that's cool mm-hmm. that's super cool yeah uh was that somebody local doing all the arrangements for them or would they um, purchase an arrangement that was already done i think they were uh making their own arrangements that's wild yeah I don't remember the band master's or the orchestra master's name, but he was really talented. That's crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. I uh, I don't know. I like I took a music theory class my senior year of high school, mm-hmm. and I kind of dabbled into what it takes to do that. And it's like 
I don't know, once you realize what it is, it's not as difficult, but at the same time, it's still just like, oh, to put all this stuff in the correct spot is... And with this right voicing. (laughs) Yeah, it's so tough, because that was the thing, was you start to realize, I can hit all these right notes, Mm -hmm. but you got to choose the correct instrument to play the note to make it sound the best for, um, I guess, whatever the arrangement is, or whoever it is. Mm -hmm. For example, um, there's a Steve Vai DVD where he rearranged all of his songs... Uh, I guess he's not rearranged. He arranged all of his music for a giant symphony to play. Mm. And uh, be For the Love of God was the song. I don't know if anybody listening is familiar with Steve Vai, but he ended up choosing an oboe to play the uh, opening part. And uh, after the oboe made one passage through, it switched to a uh, flute. Oh. So it gave it a little a bit little. softer mm-hmm. sound, but it still had the... Not as bright. Okay. Uh, they used harmony, so it still kind of sounded like it had a lot of angst to uh-huh. it, um, regardless of the fact that it wasn't just one instrument. Right. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just stuff like, like that. that always kind of intrigued me. That if yeah. anybody's looking for something fun to watch, I highly recommend the Steve Vai DVD where he uh, arranged all his music for an orchestra. I know you can find it on YouTube, but I, I like to find videos of that and just send them out to people to be like, check this out and look what this guy's doing. And not only that, but like, Look what this giant room full of musicians is doing. I know there's been a lot of bands that have played with orchestras and symphonies and things over the years, but mm-hmm. that one was always kind of special to me because Steve did all of the arrangement for that. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's, that's cool. it's mind-blowing. I, Absolutely. Just mus- musicians like that always kind of blew my mind. And I can play a decent amount of instruments. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. I can do it with very high proficiency, but I can still... Like, I don't know, just hanging out with you kind of made me realize that you can pick up an instrument and learn it from scratch, and it's not like it's going to be the most impossible thing in the world. It just takes repetition. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. just, yeah. I mean, like, once you figure out where all the notes mm-hmm. are at, then you're just like, okay, then you just put your knowledge of music into the instrument exactly. and, and go with it. Yep, once you know one, you can learn basically all of them. Yeah, it's kind of like speaking a different speaking a different language yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of, once you speak one different language, you can just go to the next one and go to the next one and mm-hmm. just keep going. Yep. What's your favorite instrument to play if I had to uh, say not the French horn or not the ukulele? Because uh. those are the two that you obviously <laughs> enjoy playing the most. Well, wait, I'm going to throw oh, one more no. there to take out. <laughs> the piano. Because no. you have a piano at your house and you play <laughs> piano again. a lot. No, so, man. so if you take those three uh. away, because you gave piano lessons and still do. So Okay, um, so clarinet is a really fun instrument to play. It's wh- so easy to play. Why do you say that? Well, anybody can play. You put a... a easy read on it like a two and a half and then you shove it all together and you just blow and you can play <laughs> mm-hmm. there's like no talent that goes to it but then <laughs> rip, <laughs> i shouldn't say that <laughs> rip it on every i'm gonna there's get lots of talent angry emails from every like, clarinet player in the state now <laughs> there's so many fifth graders that can play a clarinet on the first day Dude, I will <laughs> they can say, play hot like, cross buns on the first day <laughs> i do remember being in like fifth grade yeah. and there's like four or five rows of clarinet yes. players in the well, band. Well, you got to, because by the time you're to high school, you know, there's like five of them left. Yeah. Uh, but no, the clarinets are a lot of fun. Um, it's a B-flat instrument, just like the uh, the trumpet, but nice. it's got a big range. You know, you could do three octaves. Oh, crazy. Almost. And, you know, you got the low notes in there and some super high ones and everything in between. But there's only like one hard part about it is when you run out of fingers, you have no fingers on the clarinet. You have to go over the break and put everything back down and making that hump like harmonically. I don't know if it's harmonically, but like you have to really push your air in a a certain fashion to get over the break. It's the hardest thing to teach about uh, the clarinet for little kids. Tipping my coffee over here. Um, So I was actually just going to ask you that. So like going from one octave to the next, to the next, to the next on a trumpet, um, the higher you go, it takes a lot of control. Corners of your mouth. Yeah. It takes Mm -hmm. a lot of control of muscles uh, in your lip area as well as like in your throat and mouth area. Mm -hmm. If you want to go low, you've got to like still have that amazing control, but you got to loosen it up. And it's it's almost like you said, you got to go with your everything that's coming out but it has to go through your lips so it's kind of tough it's basically using your your mouth and your throat like you're singing but Mm -hmm. your your lips are the thing that's actually making the sound as for a reeded instrument Mm -hmm. because uh trumpet you play through uh for people that don't know you play through like a little circle metal thing and and they call Uh, it they call it a brass instrument yeah because you play into a brass instrument with this little brass it's not brass anymore but it's a little brass mouthpiecey Mm -hmm. thing and you go 
Yep, exactly. And then on a, like a clarinet or a saxophone or whatever, you still use the corners of your mouth a lot for the high notes. Yeah. Um, and have that change in your throat. But mm-hmm. it's uh, more about biting down. Like if you put your finger underneath your teeth, your front teeth, and bite your finger. Okay. It's pretty much the so like that. You're almost and then like you biting your... Biting your uh, biting your lower lip and your okay. finger on top of that. Okay. And then you just blow out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have like almost no. I haven't played a, a reeded instrument probably mm. since like fifth or sixth grade, other than maybe like being in high school and just like walking like up to somebody, somebody. And, and just honking the heck out of their saxophone yeah. or whatever and busting a reed and they get mad at you mm. or whatever. You know, like, yeah, those are expensive. Yeah, they are. They are. Um, so that's it's kind of cool i guess i didn't really know what all goes into playing a reeded mm-hmm. instrument too much it might be something fun yeah. to get into but I'm, it's also like one of those things the cost of a reeded instrument yeah there's a lot of upkeep cost bingo mm-hmm. you can't just like uh oh got a clarinet and i can just throw it in my closet forever now and yeah, just whenever i get it out i can just start playing it pristine condition yeah yeah because no, there's a lot of like what like pads and things yeah, like that I mean, that cover gotta, the holes uh, and the, like you said, the reed, you have to like warm your reed up every single time and there's different kinds of reeds. So yeah. I'm sure it's no different than guitar. I'm sure though, you got to tune the thing and then you right. got to make sure you got the right strings on it make sure the strings aren't too old and then mm-hmm. you got to choose a pick and blah, blah, blah. Well, and it's not like brass instruments don't have the upkeep. <laughs> they True. do, yeah. you know, with like oil and uh, greasing the valves and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yep. It's not nearly as expensive. No, I do recall like that was the thing where like most trumpet players could just like put the thing up to their face and start playing it. Exactly. And uh, clarinet players and saxophone players, et cetera, would have to like, they got to suck on a reed for five minutes before they could even get it. And then like while they're doing that, then they have to put their whole instrument together Mm -hmm. with a trumpet. It was just like seven pieces. Yeah. Yeah. With the trumpet, it was just like, just put the mouthpiece in it and go honk. You know, so there was a, a no woodwind uh, instrument rule in my family when I was growing up. My mom would not let us play it because it was so darn expensive. Yeah. Yeah, so we're all brass players. Well, I mean, even... If you go to flute, flute doesn't have a reed, but flute they, has pads. But they have all those all pads, those pads and things. A reed pad is like two hundred dollars. Yeah, well, that was the <laughs> thing. A year. My mom had a flute from when she was young, and she was like, "I should go get this thing repadded." And then she was like, "Oh, it's going to cost so much money." Mm-hmm. And then she had, had debated selling it because it was a you know an entry ish mm-hmm. level flute, but it was pretty old, so it's going to maintain its value sure. pretty well. But even then, it's still just like, you want to sell this flute for like a hundred bucks, you know, mm. like 200 or whatever it was. It wasn't even worth a repad. I remember I that. So it was like, uh, what do we do here? You know? Yeah. So, so I think she just didn't repad it and she's just going to stick it, it on a wall somewhere, make a decoration. Yeah. I don't know. And I've heard that like some people, this is a weird one. So you get pads in there and some of the pads will stick and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they would put like, I've heard that oh, they to put, unstick them. Uh, well, like oh. even if they. Like, say you, like, push something down and the pad mm-hmm. would just go plonk and it would always stick. Oh. So some oh, people, I've a... heard, heard that people would put, like, something under the pads. I've heard that, what was... Well, that's if there's, like, moisture underneath the pads and it's, uh, like, spit getting it stuck. And then you can put, like, a dollar bill or a paper under there and mm-hmm. press it down and that'll wick the moisture away. Yeah. Um, or there's little tiny springs and things mm-hmm. that go along with the pads that spring them back up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I remember adjustment either way. I remember hearing people say mm-hmm. they would put, like, a... Uh, cigarette papers and things mm-hmm. like that and yeah. they help wick all the, yep. the spit off the pads and things and i was like that's mm-hmm. mind-blowing i guess it's like it's almost like super simple <laughs> too yeah, it makes tons right. of sense so uh yeah. i don't know just i love talking about like all this kind of stuff where like as an adult kind of thinking about it and being like mm-hmm. uh you know like as far as mechanics and everything go this this only makes tons of sense it's right. not like it's super weird but as a kid growing up you're just like how come the flute player's got a pack of zigzags in their flute you know and like it's like that doesn't make any sense i I don't know man that's one class that i wish i would have taken in college was uh instrument repair oh yeah yeah but i do know a lot about repairing instruments by like trying it (laughs) yeah um having your own yeah and i did work in a like a music repair shop for a little while but I didn't do any major repairs or anything, but yeah, I remember the the trumpet being a brass instrument and having a kid own it. Uh, you're gonna get that thing dinged up quite a oh, bit. Yeah. And I always thought it was crazy that like you know once every two or three years, um, my mom would be like, "All right, let's take this thing in and get it mm. like overhauled." Or something. Yeah, so yeah. you would you would have somebody like clean all the you know put all the new like 
where those little uh, felt pads on the trumpet at the top. Mm-hmm. So you put some new ones of those on, and then you'd get them all to clean out the fo- the valves, top and bottom, and all the threads for everything, mm-hmm. and then regrease it and regrease the slides. Yeah, they they clean the inside of it out, and then they would polish the outside of it up, and they would put like a little reamer thing down it to mm-hmm. get all the dents to come out. And I was like, yeah. man, this is crazy that they can do this, and it's it's almost like a new instrument, except for where I put the dent and it. it got all oxidized and stuff, yeah. you know. But it's it's pretty wild. I love that. It's, it's really cool stuff. I always thought that was pretty crazy. I like to do in the chem clean uh, on my French horn. I used to practice on that all the time. On the inside? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, dip it in the acid stuff. and The whole thing? The whole thing. Yeah, oh. I mean, you take all the slides and everything out and pretty much make it naked and then oh, dip it in there. That's Let wild. it sit for 10 minutes. Take it out. Rinse it off. 10 minutes. Holy Scrub crap. It. That's crazy. <laughs> now yep. they have like sonic cleaning. It's not even chemical stuff. Oh, it's wow. just like with sound waves. Yeah, because I remember with the trumpet they had like, uh, you could get like a little snake bristle mm-hmm. thing and yeah. you could like dip it in this cleaner stuff and send it through the trumpet because trumpet gets tons of spit in yeah. it. So you would do that just to pretty much, it was like like high end mouthwash type stuff yeah. that you would throw through there and you would just get all the spit and germs mm-hmm. and stuff to come out and whatever. And uh, you just push it through to one end or the next. Yeah. Instrument repair is kind of a crazy thing. And you don't really realize that you're going to have to do so much of it until you start buying instruments or having them. Um, and you start to realize upkeep is pretty expensive. Yeah. And uh, the guitar that I use the most, I guess, would probably be that blue Les Paul. Mm-hmm. And that was the one that I, when I first bought it, I was like, I'm going to overhaul this thing. And then I was like, oh, wait, I need to figure out what I'm doing on this. So I, I did a little bit of repairs on some of my instruments here and there, but I always tried to, I don't know. I was always kind of scared I was going to break something, and then when, right. once it was a, a lesser expensive instrument, I was finally like, all right, let's mm-hmm. do this. So that blue guitar got overhauled um, on a multitude of occasions, and I I ended up putting, you know, like, oh, there's new uh, pickups in it, uh, there's you know new knob systems in it. I rewired mm-hmm. the way the knobs were. I, I sent it to, uh, it's got like a older Les Paul wiring instead of the newer Les Paul wiring in it, mm-hmm. and... Uh, what else? I got some like hot shots on it that. What are um, hot shots? So my guitar has like single coils and P90s in it. Oh, okay. Um, but those are like two different kind of pickups. There's three pickups. One's a single coil. They're usually in like Stratocasters and things like that, and mm-hmm. country music, and they're like really bright sounding. Hmm. And then there's humbuckers, and those mm-hmm. are the other super common ones played in like a lot of rock and roll, and you can get a lot of like bass and chuggy sound out mm-hmm. of them, but they still sound pretty clear. And then there's P90 where they sound somewhere in the middle of those. Some people have called them soap bar pickups because they look kind of like a bar of soap. But uh, So a company ended up making these ones where it's a P90 next to a single coil and it makes a humbucker. <laughs> so if you put uh, different wiring things in there, you can split the single coil and the P90 apart so I can get all three of them out of the, out of the pickup. So I can either make it single coils or P90s or humbuckers. Or I can even make it single coils and P90s, mm-hmm. so you can combine it in any fashion you want. That's I remember cool. putting like a kill switch on the guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I actually painted the guitar. Heck yeah. Um, that it. was yep. That was the the blue dip on that mm-hmm. one. That was you know great. It looked it was so it amazing. Was really good. Yeah, I've been playing that at Three Finger Betty shows mm-hmm. since, uh, with the exception of I think like two. Um, That's nuts. You know, I've on one of them I I forgot it. <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> And uh, I think on another one, I was doing some more work on it, and I ended up just bringing something else because it was sitting, mm. you know, uh, on the bench getting work done. But I never really thought too much about doing repair to instruments and stuff like that. It's kind of mm-hmm. crazy, like, especially on a brass instrument. I'd be scared. I'd ruin the dang thing. Oh, no, not much you can ruin on a brass instrument. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess Other than denting it, you know? Yeah, or taking <laughs> or the shine the off the outside, maybe. Yeah, the lacquer. But some, some people like the, the lacquerless yeah, or the distressed look yeah, on them because I remember super distressed. Because <laughs> I remember seeing some of them where it's like, I mean, there's obviously that like rose gold kind of colored brass, horn, yeah. but there's also ones that are like, uh, I want to say yellow flat. Does that sound like a like yeah, flat brass? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure does, what that is because it like doesn't shine. Like I remember seeing black that. ones back in the day yeah. that were like that. Like you'd set a black one down, it's like, oh, this looks like it's flat black. Like there's mm-hmm. no gloss to the outside no. of it all. And like, I was. I always wanted one of those. Oh, I always yeah. thought it'd be so cool. Everyone's like, I want to get a silver trumpet because I'm going to be so cool. And I was just like, I'm going to get this black one. This is going to be so awesome. You're such it's, a rebel. Yeah. Well, it's, it's black. The coolest yeah. part about it was the the bottom caps and the uh, the inside, inside of the bell, 
and the valves and mm-hmm. the top of it and everything were gold color. Oh, so it was all was accented really gold, oh, uh, except that the thing was black and it was flattish black and the gold was yeah. shiny. So it, I always thought it looked good. Yeah. But, there was somebody who in the high school who bought a brand new Cowworth saxophone that was just like that. It was a black body saxophone and oh, then cool. gold keys. It was the most beautiful sax I've That's ever seen. saucy. Yeah. But uh, that... Uh, that finish you were talking about is kind of like a stainless steel finish, but like the goldy brass color, uh, but be, not shiny. I it'd be hard know. to de- it'd be hard to describe. Like uh, in the room that you're in here, there's yeah, like a shiny like, piece of metal here, and yeah. I'm pointing at that that's like black. But I'm also pointing at a black piece mm-hmm. of leather. It was almost oh, like that. it was almost like the kind of like the black huh. leather, like had no gloss to it even yeah. at all. You could still see light reflect off it because it's metal, sure. but still it was like oh, this is kind of crazy. Um, I do remember that black instrument, uh, the black trumpet. Mm-hmm. I ended up finally buying uh, a used because I was playing on a cornet for a mm-hmm. long time, like like a nineteen thirties cornet for the longest time, which is actually worth a decent amount. Of, uh, yeah, you know, those it's are not cool instruments. It was it's not worth a ton of money, but mm-hmm. it's just ba- it's just one of those things. Like this is super old, so it's going to hold some value. So right. it's, it's not like it's worth a ton of money. But mm-hmm. anyways, that's what I played on. And when I wanted to get a trumpet because it was going to be a little bit easier, and I wasn't going to have to like always take this thing in to get it like looked at and fixed because it was super old and yeah. you know every oh spring broke on one of the valves or you know it was mm-hmm. always something would break on it so anyways i was like i want to get a new trumpet i want to say your mom was actually the one that suggested me not to get the the colored one because even though it looked super cool it's kind of like the guitar thing like this may look really awesome yeah. but it's a super low-end model of something and it would actually probably be a step down from where you know mm-hmm. your instrument currently is so i ended up uh, getting everybody's favorite in, you know intro instrument i got a bach a bach everybody trumpet. everybody Heck gets yeah. the box of course that's the way to go but you know what they're you know you spend a couple hundred bucks and you got a trumpet and that's right. um a I'm, very durable very good sounding trumpet the trumpet i have i think is like a king or something like that some lower brand but it works really well i got it from a used store it was like less than 80 bucks whoa <laughs> you gotta check insane. out those used yeah. stores. there's so much good instruments yeah like flutes and clarinets i've bought those and resold them plenty of times mm-hmm. well that was mm-hmm. the thing uh i've seen that every now and then i'll go yeah. i'll see one on like facebook marketplace and send you a yeah. picture and be like is this worth it or whatever and you're just like oh yeah it's yeah. not too bad you know or sometimes it's like yeah. well it's halfway across the state so mm-hmm. when you drive to go get it it's not even close to worth it but right. You know, but still, you know, it's... Mm-hmm. There's it's, nothing wrong with used instruments. I had, I had discussed this exactly... Um, with your last podcast. Yeah, yeah with I was the listening last, to that. last podcast, I had the interview um, was uh, the Hannah McClyman's yeah. podcast, and we were talking about buying used versus buying new, mm-hmm. and, uh, th- you know... I am in her shoes now where I don't know anything about like orchestral instruments mm-hmm. or et cetera. And I don't know how to, you know, how much is a used this trumpet worth? No clue. I mean, without using the internet and kind of guessing, I don't know. And you, on the I other hand, would kinda... know for the most part, you got your finger closer to the pulse than I do yeah. for sure. So this is where it comes right. down to just bouncing your ideas off somebody That's else right. that knows a little bit more than you. Cause not everybody's going to know every single little thing. No. And you know, some of it comes down to opinion too. Ah, uh, that's true. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, it's, We've got about 50 minutes in here. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Let's uh, talk mm-hmm. once again about, you give lessons for okay. which instruments right now? Uh, the Mainly piano and then uh, French horn and ukulele. All right. And you're pretty packed full of students. You said you were going to do 20 and you're now like up uh, over 30-ish. Yeah, I'm about at 30. All right. Um, but I think some hopefully are taking the summer off so I can have some free time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> spend a like, lot of time. Yeah. Because uh, your lesson... Long days. Yeah, your lesson job is not your day job. No. So you do your day job and then you give yeah, lessons I, like pretty much all night, right? Yeah, I'm pretty much uh, 4.30 to 8 or... 8.30 pretty much every day yep, four, um, for the Music for Life job and then yep. my full time on top of that. So let me let yeah. me ask you this. If somebody's listening and they're like, I'm in the Iowa City area oh, yeah. and I want to take piano lessons. You got an opening? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I can certainly make it, make time. All right, so, <laughs> there's uh, other piano teachers there too. So, so Music for Life in Iowa City? Uh, music for Life in North Liberty. North Liberty. You All just right. go on to the type in Music for Life and it'll take you to their website and you can fill out a student registration form. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. What other kind of instruments do they, uh, they have, have people that teach there? Tons, um, voice, uh, g- 
guitar, you know, I like, I like how voice was the first yeah, thing you said. a lot of people are singing. Uh, like, I think like there's you, three voice teachers. There's so. vocal lessons, so, the, you know, you should probably take some of that. Uh, gosh, okay, I'll go. <laughs> oh, that's what you're telling me. That's what I thought uh, no, you were telling me. You. Uh, no, they do um, band rehearsals there, so you can, like, find some other peers or something like that and set up a band. Oh, that's cool. And recording studio. Oh, um, nice. Drum set. They do pretty much everything. Oh, that's know? cool. So oh. I, I have like my music education background, so I can teach all the auxiliary instruments, the brass and whatever. So they got a drum set there. Let me ask you this. I've heard this in bigger cities where places will have, uh, I guess I guess you could call them music studios, but they've got all the instruments already there. Mm-hmm. And you can literally just walk in and be like, here's 50 bucks. I'm going to play this guitar for an hour. Um, I mean, they do have some instruments hanging around, but I don't think you would have to spend that much money. You could I, just come in and Well, play. that was like something I had heard on yeah. like a, a podcast from somebody uh, from California. So oh, okay. like, you know, yeah. that was just an example. And his was drums was his. So right. like I could understand where they're just like, cut us some money because mm-hmm. you're going to be beating the crap out of this stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, you could totally sign up for like a one, one lesson type of thing. But yeah, just, they have instruments just, set up. Yeah, I didn't know if you could just like go in and rent one and then sit in the room and play it for like half an hour. Because yeah. I mean, drums are one of those things like you could you know you could buy a drum set, but who's gonna want to listen to you beat the crap out of your drum set <laughs> in a in a neighborhood area? You know, yeah. like so you go to this other place that's got a little studio set up and you're just like, hey, I'll pay you some money to play in here. Yeah, that's a really good idea. They have two set two um, drum sets set up in the same room so that the teacher can play oh, along with the, cool. the student. So that's awesome. Yeah. You get some of that Almond Brothers feel Heck in there yeah. the double drums. Mm-hmm. That's cool yeah so that's music for life uh north liberty iowa um it's near iowa city for people that don't know where north liberty is um it's so near iowa city that they're pretty much connected basically the same town yeah it's like iowa city coralville now Mm -hmm. you know it's coralville north liberty are kind of connected like that pretty much right yeah exactly so that would be the best place to uh contact Mm -hmm. you if you wanted to set up a lesson i guess with with any of the teachers with any of the yeah, yeah not, not just tons. well that's the thing just because sarah's uh you know spending her whole day doing this and she's getting kind of full on lessons doesn't mean there's not other people there that are well qualified to be teaching this stuff so yeah the owner oh my goodness he is so talented he's a he's a guy from poland and he can play everything <laughs> is that the guy that you had mentioned to me who had like 70 lessons or something it yeah. was like something yeah. like that he teaches at least 70 lessons a it's, week it's like insanity yeah <laughs> i mean that's he plays piano better than i could ever dream and you know guitar and yeah, uh, all of it that's crazy that's yeah. so crazy i i mean i guess if that's his only job and he well, runs the place not. it's not <laughs> no he, he does like house remodeling too he's i was so gonna say the dude's probably a carpenter an yeah. electrician and a plumber he's <laughs> like, so talented that's, that's crazy i wish like yeah. i can only hope that in my adult life that i just never stop learning and oh, end up finally getting to that stage yeah. of uh being able to do that kind of stuff it's the jack of all trades yeah because yeah. I, I mean you don't have to be the best at every single thing you do but if like I've mentioned it so many times in the podcast, as long as you're just out there doing the thing, that's most of the battle, really. Exactly. Like, just doing um, it. Yeah, just doing it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to just do it and play some <laughs> uh, any instrument, pretty much, you can hit up um, Sarah or any of the other people and and get a lesson scheduled. Uh, it doesn't matter your age, I'm sure. No, not at all. Um, that's probably one of my favorite things was was one of my best students I've had over the last couple of years has been an elderly lady mm-hmm. that uh, learned to. Uh, do some country western picking and and I, I was mind blown it, it was to the point where she was almost better than me and oh, if wow. and if she comes back um and wants to do more lessons i may or may not have to send her somewhere else because oh, like because she's better <laughs> uh, uh, she's better than yeah. me at what she wants to do and i don't think without playing along i don't think i could play along with her and teach her any better because i don't I mean, there are definitely teachers that are good enough where they can't do what you're doing, but they can coach you and teach mm-hmm. you into doing it better. And I don't feel very comfortable doing that mm-hmm. um, as of yet. So um, yeah. I've already made plans for a couple of my students um, to head other Turn directions. Up. And some of them, uh, ironically, when I suggest the idea, um, just don't go to any lessons anymore and they think oh. they're good enough. And like one of them... And they act- stopped practicing Yeah, one of them just quit altogether. Oh. He was just like, oh, I guess I'm pretty good at this, so I don't need to practice anymore oh, and, and i hit them up every now and then yeah. and, and get a hold of their mom i'm like hey does does a kid play anymore it's like just sits in the closet oh. it's so sad so but it'll come back to them in a couple of years and they'll I, be like why did i ever put this down exactly it'll be just like me <laughs> exactly. my situation yeah all right so mm-hmm. um i'll put your uh 
I'll put a link to wherever they can sure. book a lesson with you down below as long as you send it to me. Is there any other links that you think I should share for your... Well, I'm not any any current bands or <laughs> no. anything like that. I'm just a teacher. So, yep. <laughs> no, I don't have any links. All right. Okay. So, uh, we'll share the, the links to where we can get interviews or get uh, lessons with you if somebody wants to do a lesson. And uh, maybe I'll put some of your... like. You know, we didn't even talk about your stained glass art that oh, you do. Yeah. Let's, let's mention that real okay. quick before the end. So you do stained glass art, oh, and that was that was something you just kind of started as a hobby. But you do have, yeah. you have taken a few commissions on some of those. I've so. done a few commissions, yeah, um, like birthday gifts and retirement gifts or whatever. But I like, I like working with glass. It's very colorful and easy, meditative. <laughs> do you still have your Facebook and Instagram pages and stuff? I do. I haven't made anything in a while. I just don't have the time. Yeah. Oh, obviously but, with all the lessons. Um, yeah, I got those. I can send you the links. All right. Um, let's mention it on here. What's the name okay. of that? Uh, Suncatcher Design. All right. So it's Suncatcher Design and I will snag a link to that stuff yeah. and share it down below if you want to see some uh, pretty cool stained glass art. I was actually looking at the one over here. Uh, it's, oh yeah, it kinda, that one. It's kind of pixelated and it's got some curves around it. It almost looks like an eyeball. It's kind of looks like an eyeball. Yeah, kind of cool looking. But long I remember, panel. But I remember you did a ship. A I, ship? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just sitting oh, over it's there. Right over there. Yeah, yeah the ship was like this is super cool. Yeah. Did you do like a peacock? Maybe I too? did a peacock. The it peacock was I remember seeing was some a really butterfly. cool looking one. Yeah. Oh, the butterfly. The butterfly yes, yes, thing. yes, yes. Some abstract. Yeah. So there's some cool stuff on there. I'll make sure to share the links to that stuff and. If anybody's got uh, any art festivals or anything coming up, want to have right. a stained glass artist uh, show up with some of their goodies. And, uh, if you need a, sun, a stained glass uh, business card holder. <laughs> yeah, that was another one you did. Something you did like business that. card holders. I mean, you, you kind of just do know. a little bit of one of everything. You know, yeah, you were kinda... and then you see what people like and make more of that. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't always just have to be something that hangs in a window. No. Like you've made little uh, wind blowy whirly gigs, yeah, things that you can hang 3D. up outside and they spin in the wind and stuff like that yeah. and look cool. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll share a link to that. You can check out the Instagram page and look at some of the pictures of some of the art that she's made in that because, uh, yeah, I guess you're not just a musician. You're also no, an artist, no. so it'd, I'd be remiss <laughs> if I didn't mention that. So. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We'll share links to all your goodies down below, and make sure you check out the uh, the stained glass art. And if you want, if you're in Eastern Iowa and you want a lesson, hit Sarah up or the Music for Life people, any music of them in general. Life. Or if you want to do some recording, there's a recording studio in the basement nice. of Music for Life. So. Nice. Do they have an engineer there that will help you record stuff? They have one that you can hire in. Mm-hmm. Cool. Pretty good cheap. Deal. That's good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks for joining me for the podcast. Thank Appreciate you. it. Yeah, that's another episode in the bank, or in the can, as they say, in uh, the radio world, or some people say that. I don't know. Um, Forgive me for trying to act cool. This episode was awesome. I had a great time sitting down with Sarah, talking with her about all the stuff that she uh, grew up playing music, and learning more about her family, and giving lessons, and where you can find her if you want to get, you know, take some lessons. I'll try and post some links down below to Music for Life. I will definitely post links to her Suncatcher Design stuff. Uh, down below we very very briefly glossed over it but that is not something to be glossed over Uh, you should check out her stained glass art it is insane it's just another one of those things where she was just like i wonder if i can do this and then she just went and bought the stuff and learned how to do it because that's kind of the person that she is she just figures out how to do things and does them and she's good at it and that you know i don't know if i want to say it makes me jealous but it kind of gives me the drive to go out and do those things myself so it's pretty awesome to have people like that around you that are just super good at everything and you kind of just you want to be just like them kind of but you know do it your own way so you kind of go out and do your own thing and i mean that's one of the reasons i started a podcast it's like why can't i do this i mean i'm pretty sure that i should be able to do this it's not like it's too difficult and i just went out and did it you know and she's been one of my biggest supporters she's listened to every episode and and sends me messages and says you know oh this episode was great oh i learned so much about this person i never knew before so, you know, hats off to her for supporting the podcast for as long as she had. And it's great to finally get her in here to do an interview. I highly recommend uh, if you want to do lessons with her that you hit up Music for Life in Iowa City. Actually, it's in the North Liberty area. But uh, I do know that her schedule is very full. So if you're thinking about that, you might want to hop on it. Otherwise, there's uh, tons of other people here that can give lessons if she's busy. Uh, like you said, there's a recording studio there. Uh, I don't know. This gal just kind of kind of does it all so it's kind of cool uh I'll, like i said i'll drop a bunch of her links down below so you guys can check out uh, her stained glass art and all the other cool stuff that she does because it's pretty wild 
Alright, so now I would like to say thank you to my sponsor, Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is my favorite coffee ever. If you missed it in the intro because you fast-forwarded, shame on you. Shame on you. I'll tell you what. You know why shame on you? Because you missed the fact that I told you if you enter the promo code ukulele, the promo code ukulele saves you 20%. That pretty much deletes all of the shipping. And then some. So go to couchtowncoffee.com. Find a roast you would like and uh, hit them up. Say, hey, you know, I'd like to uh, have some coffee shipped to my house, roasted fresh exactly the way I want it. And I'd like to enter the promo code ukulele so I can save 20% because I listen to the Audible Farm podcast. That's my way of saying thank you. That's Couchtown Coffee's way of saying thank you. Mostly, I'll tell you what, Couchtown Coffee has blown me away with uh, how professional they've been through all of this. Uh, it's it's uh, We kind of are just feeling it out week by week doing what we're doing and this is week three, and, and they've blown me away entering promo codes and saving money from a, a really local Iowa company. It's it's amazing. So hats off to Couchtown Coffee, our sponsor. Enter that code word, ukulele. Do not forget to enter that code word, ukulele. Make sure you go to www.audiblefarm.com. You can find all the Audible Farm stuff, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, you can find out places you can listen and, and everything. There's tons of stuff there. There's an email uh, form there you can fill out and, and uh, send us an email if you want to do a, an interview. I've been pretty busy then, you know, in the late summer, but I'll tell you what, I've still found time to do plenty of interviews. I'm debating on doing some uh, out-of-state interviews, and I don't know exactly how I'm going to pull that off. I might send them out as bonus episodes in the middle of the week just to uh, give you guys something else to chomp on during the week. So maybe be looking for those. They might be coming out soon. I've got a handful of people that uh, expressed interest in wanting to jump on the podcast and at least just be able to talk to me about what they've got going on, and I'm pretty interested. So... I mean, there's hardworking musicians out there. Um, there's people that make electronic music. I don't know anything about that. I would love to learn about that. So that's one big thing I thought would be pretty cool. Um, other than that, there's uh, been a guy that's in like four or five bands that's hit me up. It's, it's going to be a great time. So I just stick around. Maybe you'll hear a bonus episode in the week. Maybe not. Uh, if there is, uh, I'll tell you what. I'll probably enter that promo code in there in the bonus episode, too, so people don't miss it. Uh, the promo code for Couchtown Coffee is good for one week only, so make sure you get that promo code. I am going to take off. Thanks again to Sarah. Thanks again to uh, all the all the listeners. Thanks again to Couchtown Coffee. Thanks again, everybody. I really appreciate everything you're doing listening to the podcast. I hope you guys are enjoying this as much as I am because I'm having a blast doing the podcast. So hats off. We'll see you guys all next week. Peace.